we're acknowledging, I am I'm lost and desperate. I'm a sinner, and I need someone to save me. And that's you, Jesus. I want you to save me. In the book, uh, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis, I think he had a great perspective on this issue. Here's what he wrote. I love this quote. He says, I willingly believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful, rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. In other words, we have to remember, God is loving and gracious, and he has provided opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for us to receive forgiveness and salvation and to be restored and people who end up in hell are there because they have rejected the provision of Christ on the cross. God respects our freedom to choose. He's not going to force you to be saved. He is not going to impose his will upon you. And if we make the decision to reject Christ, God will allow you to have your way. Jesus said, not everyone who cries out to me in that moment on that day, not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord. Because, of course, you know, there's the coming a day when it says every knee is going to bow. When those who have scoffed the loudest and the longest, when they see that, oh, here's, here's Jesus, here's the judgment, we're all going to cry out, Lord, Lord. And he says, not everyone who cries out to me on that day will enter the kingdom of heaven. But there are two judgments, the great white throne, which is a judgment for salvation. Theologians agree that that, what we've just described, that is not for the follower of Christ. That that judgment is reserved for those who are outside of Jesus. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? My life's mission is to make sure that every person in this room and as many others as we can possibly get, that we make sure that our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. But there's a second judgment, and this is for us. It's the judgment seat of Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, We must all stand before, the, before Christ to be judged. And we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, you've got to remember, Paul's writing this. This is a letter. You're reading a lot of the New Testament, all the writings of Paul. You remember, you're reading someone else's mail. He wrote this to a specific group of people at a specific point in time. This is to the church in Corinth. He's writing this to a group of believers. They say, now we're all going to stand before Christ to be judged. These are Christians. What is the, the judgment seat of Christ? This is, this is stuff that's fascinating to me. The judgment seat of Christ, it, it comes from the Greek word bema. And it's taken from the Greek Olympics. And so you think about at the Olympic Games, the athletes would compete, they run a race, they, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, competing in, and at the end of, of the race, they would stand before the judge who sat on the, on the bema, the judgment seat, and he would give out rewards and prizes. He would say, here's a crown for first place, here's the award for second place, third place, and so on. You know, it, it was not a place for you to be judged whether or not you qualify. This is, a, this is a place for you to celebrate that you finished the race. You made it. You did it. And now, if you were faithful, here is a reward for what you've done. 
And it's really important that we understand the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for your sins. A lot of us think that, oh, you know, we're going to have to stand before God and he's going to read off. You know, I can remember as a kid thinking about that. Every time I blew it and messed up and, oh, someday I'm going to have to stand before God and he's going to read off every one of my sins to me. That doesn't jive with the rest of Scripture when it says that your sins have been dealt with. They're forgiven. They've been cast as far as the east is from the west, and God chooses to remember them no more. Well, why would he bring them up again if he chose to remember them no more? That's not what this is. This is, a, this is a judgment for reward. Our ultimate goal in life is this. What can I do for the Lord? How can I live in a way that honors him and pleases him? i, I got to tell you the story of a guy I met a couple of weeks ago. This, you know, I just, sometimes I get to meet the most fascinating people. And this guy, he was, he was here a few weeks ago, had a funeral for uh, an older member of our, of our church. Just a great, great person that's with the Lord now. And uh, we, we had this funeral, and there was a, a guy there named Jim. And Jim, uh, I'd never met him before, and uh, he's in his early 90s. And he spoke to me. He was so complimentary of, uh, of the message, the service of our church. He said, boy, you guys have got a wonderful place here. This is so great. I've just, just appreciated it, you know, everything. And, uh, and he told me that he, he's a member of a church in another part of the city. He says, I grew up in that church. I've been there my whole life, you know, 92 years. I was there since I was a baby. I've been, you know, part of that church, raised there. And he said, you know, I, I used to, uh, back in my younger days, I played baseball. And he was a pitcher, played for Mayo High School, and uh, he, he was saying, man, that was, a, that was a fun time. And his wife was sitting right next to him, and she said, Jim, tell him the, tell him the story. Hey, tell him the story. And he just kind of, you know, oh, shucks, and oh, no, no, no. And she said, no, 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 he was really good. Tell him, Jim. she said, he, he had the opportunity to go pro. He could have gone and played professional baseball, and he kind of says, well, that was a long time ago. That was a different time, and he's just being way too humble. I said, no, 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 I really want, I want to hear the story. Tell me this, tell me this story. And he said, well, I'll tell you. He says, back then, he said, yeah, I love to, I love to play ball as a pitcher. He said, the St. Louis Cardinals called me up and uh, wanted, me to, wanted me to pitch for them professionally. And he, and, he, and he just kept saying, well, remember, this was a long time ago. This was a long time ago. Lots changed. And I said, That's, that is incredible. That is, what a cool thing. Why didn't you go? Why would you, why would you choose not to, to go? And, and he looked at me. He said, you know, I really thought about it. It seemed like a great opportunity, and I love playing baseball. But I found out they, you know, they play ball games on Sundays. And he said, I just uh, I love the Lord way too much to have to miss worshiping him on Sunday mornings at, at church. I thought, you know, this guy's going to be standing on the platform. I, I, and then I immediately started feeling guilty <laughs> for all the times that I've thought, wow, you know, boy, I wish I could, you know, oh, man, I wish I could skip church today. Boy, it's a nice day. I'd love to, I'd love to take the kids somewhere. Or what, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness. I think about this, and, and Jim says, yeah, that was the best decision I ever made in my life, the best decision I ever made. It just challenged me so much. I'm never going to forget that story. There is a reward that awaits us. And I don't want you to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss it because the opposite is true too. Even though we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and it will be a great day of celebration, I imagine there's going to be a lot of regret too. 
And Paul says, you'd be judged for the good or the evil. Based, the, the words there are kind of interesting. It's, it's like the good works that you've done and the times where you really just, you didn't do anything of value. I, I'm afraid there'll be so many of us that are going to miss out on the reward. In our, in our world, there are many people who get rewarded when they really shouldn't be. You know, they, they're rewarded for somebody else's work. And then there, there are those that, that go overlooked. But that's not going to happen on this day. Uh, God knows everything. Nothing escapes his notice. I love what Chip Ingram says in his book, The Real Heaven. He says, there is a day when God will turn my life inside out. He will not only look at my actions, but the Bible says he will also examine my motives. There will definitely be some big surprises. Those unknown on earth will be known in heaven. Those who labored behind the scenes, well, they'll be heroes in heaven. Those who never heard the cheers of men will hear the cheers of angels. Those who missed the blessing of a father will hear the blessing of their heavenly father. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. And how you live today is what is going to really matter when you get into eternity. It's so brief and so short. And our minds, we just, we're just so consumed with this moment. We just can't hardly see past right now. We're driven so much by, you know, by the flesh. But do you believe in the reality of a life to come? Do you really believe that someday I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? If you do... That determines, it should determine, how you live today. Now, if you've been around me for a while, I hope that you know this. I hope that you know my goal. My goal is, is never to use fear as a motivator. I, 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 don't, I don't like to do that. I, I really believe that what draws us to God is his loving kindness. You know, it, it's his goodness and his grace. It's the, it's the love of God that draws sinners to repentance. That's, that's what matters. But it would be incomplete of me to not share with you the totality of God's word. There will be a time when Jesus will say to some people, I never knew you. That's going to be a reality. Perhaps, I hope not, but perhaps it will be a reality for somebody in this room. I had two people that shared with me last week that they have had real near-death experiences and uh one sweet lady from our church she told me the story about uh she she collapsed at home and doesn't know how long she was out uh but she 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 was gone and she said I, however long i was i was gone she said my my son just happened to walk in and found me on the floor and perform cpr you know i didn't have a pulse or anything but he was able to perform cpr and got me back called the ambulance they came and you know, and, and, and here I am. She says, I'm not sure how long it was, but I can tell you that time was totally meaningless. And she said, I was at the gates of heaven. And I asked her, I said, now, how, how, how did that feel? Like, when you, when you saw it, and, I mean, does it feel like a dream, like sort of faint? She said, oh, no, it's vivid. It's like, I mean, it's like the most vivid memory I have. I was there, Brandon. I stood at the gate. She's describing it to me. 
And she said, I was there, and I saw some of my family, and there was an aunt that I was really close to and loved, and, uh, and, and she greeted me. She said, I looked at the gate, and I wanted more than anything else to go inside. I just, oh, I, everything in me wanted to go inside. And she said, and then my, my aunt said to me, it's not time yet. And she said, next thing you know, I was back. And she said, I can't wait to go back. I talked to another person who told me, before I was a Christian, I lived a pretty rough life. I was into a lot of things I shouldn't have been and, and knew I shouldn't have been. He said I, I, he said, I knew about God and I'd been around church, but Jesus was not my Savior. And he said, one day I decided I was just fed up and I decided to end my own life and uh, had taken the steps to do that. And he said, as soon as I died, I was in this place of just absolute darkness and it's funny because he said, well, I, hate to, I hate to tell you, this is really not a very exciting story. Uh, I guess I don't really have a good story. He said, it was just, he says, it was just, I didn't see anything. It was just black and lonely. And uh, he said, but the weird thing is, I remember every moment of it. They said, they said I was gone for seven minutes. He says, it wasn't like a dream or anything like that. I was aware that I was somewhere for every one of those minutes, for all, all of that, the whole time. And wherever I was, it was, just, it was just dark and lonely. And in his case, there was a friend that happened to stop by just at the, just at the right time and called 911. They were able to, to revive him. And he says, yeah, so I guess I don't have much of a story. There was not much to report. I said, do you know where you were? Jesus talks about in the book of Matthew that those who are lost will be cast into outer darkness. You were in a place where there's, there was, you, you got a glimpse of total, complete separation from Christ. That guy now, let's just say he gave his life to Jesus. After that, uh, Jesus has completely changed his life. He's one of the finest uh, ministry leaders and volunteers around here that, that we have. You, you would talk to this guy, and many of you have. Uh, it's, I'm, it's, I'm not going to tell you who it is, not my not my info to share but you wouldn't believe it you wouldn't believe it you say not that not that not that guy not that guy oh yeah that's how much it's changed him that's how much it's shaped him why do we talk about this because it's too important for us to ignore this is a reality this is for for some people they're going to hear jesus say i never knew you and there are no do-overs in that moment how is it that we're made right with God? Let me be crystal clear. We are never made, with, we're never made right with God by our religious works, uh, by our efforts, by doing you know, really good things. And you know, the, the good news, the, what makes the good news so good is that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We were helpless. He did all the work in God's love for us. He became like us. And, and the person of Jesus, who's without sin, he became the perfect sacrifice. He gave his life on the cross and died in our place. And our sin died there also. And then Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Why did he do that? It's so that anyone, that includes you and me, that any of us. Let me just read this to you straight from God's word. Romans 10 verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
you've got breath in your lungs, you have the opportunity. One day, it'll be too late, but not this day. It's not too late this day. This day. 